This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week podcast. We're going to be talking radio and the general, uh, a wider feel of uh, audio and language content. And if that hasn't triggered a, a guess in your mind that it might have something to do with SBS, you're, um, you're on the money there. Mandy Wicks, welcome to the Media Week Podcast. Thank you, James. Great to be here. Now, you're Director of Audio and Language Content at SBS. Yes. What triggered my inviting you in today? You, you recently, um, or earlier this month, celebrated the third anniversary of the of SBS Arabic Twenty Four. Is that right? That's right. Yes. Okay. Now, that is one of of many many streams, right? That you look after. It is. It is. We have sixty eight different language services in my division, um, making us the most multilingual public broadcaster in the world. Okay. Okay. Um, and how many live, how many like radio stations, if you like, in old speak? Yes. Yeah, does, yeah, yeah. Do you put out? So there's seven radio channels, all are national. Um, there's SBS Radio 1 and Radio 2, which are really the in-language services, everything but Arabic. Um, so each language gets a number of programs per week. Then we've got Radio 3, which is like BBC World. Uh, then we have this 24-7 Arabic radio station, which is SBS Arabic 24. And then we have three music cha- uh, channels. So SBS Chill, SBS Pop Desi and SBS Pop Asia. Are they all DAB Plus? They are. All yeah. of them are DAB Plus. Obviously, you can stream. And they're also in DTV as well. So you can find them on your TV channel. Okay. Now, I've known you for a long time because you used to work in commercial radio, of course. For a long time. uh, Yes. Nova 969 here in Sydney. Yes, and Macquarie and Southern Cross. So um, I've tipped over 30 years um, in the industry. I know. Someone say, young, how did you do it? (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Very nice. Flattery will get you everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. So how long have you been at SBS? So I've been there about eight years now. Absolutely love it. It's changed pretty dramatically what what their audio output in that time? Yes, absolutely. Well, like every media organisation, we are having to continue to evolve along with our audiences. So the um, the great thing about where I am is whilst we do a lot of radio, as you rightly reflected, um, my area is called audio and language content because increasingly we can actually be platform agnostic and we can understand where language communities want to consume us most. So some are really wedded to radio. They're the older first-generation migrants and we will love them forever on analogue radio. Um, but many of the other new communities um, absolutely are wanting to consume us, you know, on mobile, on demand, and increasingly articles, videos, etc. So we're, we can constantly evolve our services really to meet our audience's needs. So generally about, probably about 86% of the visitors to our website now are coming through mobile. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. And is that listening via an app? So or a number of ways. Can you track can you track every listener and tell how they've accessed you? We can, yeah. So we can tell where they're coming from. Um, so in terms of listening, there's obviously live listening, live streaming via the website, or we do have the SBS radio app, so you can do live streaming or catch up or podcasts. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The and tell me, sport is sport a, sports pretty critical to the TV side of the business? What does the what does the 
can we call it the radio side or we call it the audio side of the business? What do they do as well? Yeah, the language side, the language <laughs> services. Um, so we generally kind of line up as, as an organisation across all platforms. So if we're looking at the Tour de France, then in languages we will also reflect and amplify the tour. Um, specifically, obviously the world game is huge to us. Um, we had the Men's World Cup last year and coming in the middle of this year is the Women's World Cup. So in, in our area, we will do uh, commentary, radio commentary on every game in English and we'll do it in the languages of Sorry, the team. In the what? The, the World Cup. So, so for example, last year, the, the men's, Cup, yeah, yeah. Okay. that's right. We did, on radio, we did every game in English and we did every game in the languages of the teams the playing team. as well. So, again, the, the most... The team. So, so, there'd be three three um, broadcasts of a lot of games, right? That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, oh, up wow. to three broadcasts, depending on if we've got countries around the world who are also doing the radio. And we're currently going through the process now for the Women's World Cup, which is in the middle of the year, um, working out which countries will also provide radio coverage that we can access um, on our platforms here for languages in Australia. Do you... You don't do commentary of the Tour de France, do you? Or do you? No, we we don't do it in language. We have one of our guys who's the executive producer of our French service. He does go over there. And the way we often sort of kill many birds with one stone is we'll often have a, a journalist who'll ask questions in English and a person will answer in language. So it's kind of a unique way of doing things and covering the ground. But at the tour, you know, he may interview people in 20 plus languages. He'll ask in English, they'll answer in language. And we do the same with the Australian Open, Eurovision. Our guys are pretty adept at trying to ask questions and get the results and then farm them out to the relevant language service to use. Eurovision's not far away, of course, in May. What's your coverage there? Uh, similarly, our coverage is to to amplify the broadcast, essentially. So what we tend to do is we access the, um, the other performers from the other countries, we get interviews with them, and we tend to then play them through the different language services and help promote the broadcast. Um, so we're about going kind of deeper into the communities, giving them a reason to get excited, but also talking very much about the Australian performer um, and getting everybody behind them as well. In terms of languages, what do you broadcast most in? So we, yeah, we broadcast most in the largest languages. Um, so we're pretty methodical about understanding the size of the language community in Australia, and that's all based on census data. Okay. Um, and so Arabic is the one that we've spun out into a 24-7 broadcast because it's the most complex community we have in Australia. The Arabic language represents more than 20 different cultures. So it's very hard to cover the ground in one or two hours of radio a week. So we're that's our biggest um, output, if you like. But then the larger languages like Mandarin, uh, Cantonese, Italian, Greek, Vietnamese, um, we do the most broadcasting in those languages. But increasingly, as communities grow, we, we've actually chosen not to invest in more linear radio. We're investing, I guess, equivalent amounts, but in digital. So Hindi and Punjabi are probably the fastest growing languages in Australia. But instead of giving them more radio, we're now going going deep into digital and that's digital audio still. Um, audio is definitely increasing in consumption, but it's also articles and videos and all that sort of stuff. On In your part of the business, have you got a rough ballpark figure of how many people you'd employ? I guess you've probably got a lot of them casuals though, right? Or- yeah, that's right. There's probably about... 
200 full-time equivalents, wow. but about 56% of those are part-time. Um, we have a number of full-timers in the big languages. And as you say, there's a lot of casuals um, because for every person who takes leave, you've actually got to backfill them with somebody who speaks the language. Um, so it's quite a complex area. Yeah, so do you need at least one person on staff who can speak each of those 68 languages? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So the kind of content we do in language is Australian-focused. It's a lot of news and information. Uh, it's about telling the stories of the community, reflecting their culture. Um, but because of our purpose, and so SBS is obviously very purpose-led, and it's about trying to encourage understanding between communities in Australia or within communities, um, yeah, we need people who can then uh, liaise in a community, understand what are the things that might be dividing a community or between communities and tackle those issues, um, which is very, very important. So they need to be able to um, have journalistic or media skills, but also speak the language, but also be bilingual too, to be able to you know, absorb today's news information and translate it and then add the perspective of their community. It seems bang on charter for, for SBS, virtually everything you do, yeah? Absolutely. It's, <laughs> it, it's, it's the heart and soul. I, I think anyone at SBS would probably agree because anyone who works in the area is absolutely from the communities. They have the lived migrant experience um, and the stories that come out of those language services are are amazing, you know. I mean, I often say that languages are superpower. You know, through language, you can pretty much access stories anywhere in the world. They take them and then more and more, actually, we are now taking those stories and translating them into English and getting them out through our news services. So World News, uh, Insight, Dateline, more and more, we're working with them to take those really distinctive stories and then translate them for all Australians to, to enjoy and engage with. And tell me about your audiences. I'm guessing you've got a lot of stats locked away up here with Don and pointing to, to your head. <laughs> but um, about because you're not part of the radio ratings, the, which GFK do on behalf of the ABC and commercial yes. broadcasters. Yeah. So, I mean, you obviously, because you're digital, yes, we you get can track every inside. listener, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, it is one of the big frustrations not to be part of the radio ratings, but we've we've chosen not to do that. Um, and the reason is really because um, the diaries are done in English, which mm. makes sense, um, but with 4.87 million people speaking a language other than English in Australia, um, we feel that to be a part of that and to be surveying in English, you know, we'd probably be underrepresented because people who don't speak English at all probably are not filling out a diary. So we choose to do our own research. So we work with um, McNair Yellow Square and we do a deep dive into the bigger languages every year just to understand our reach and our share and also the reasons they come for us and their perceptions. You know, are we trusted? Are we considered to be balanced, impartial? All those things that are really core to our charter and purpose. Yeah. yeah. Now, do you, you have commercial partners you allowed to yes, take what, – yeah. what are the restrictions about what you can and can't do? Similar to television. So we are, have a limit of five minutes per hour. Um, and then by language it varies. So some languages like Vietnamese actually is always full. It's very, very popular. Um, so we do have a radio sales team that's out selling and increasingly um, corporates actually are – 
understanding and valuing the benefit of talking to people in their language. Um, you know, when people hear an ad in their language from a big brand, it really resonates. You know, it's actually reaching the heart, not just the head, because you've taken the time to talk to them in their language and to connect in that way. So what's your... So when they, your sales team make a pitch to a big client or an agency, so what's your broad reach? What can you say we're going to reach? If you want to deep, deep dive into, you know, how many million? Yeah, so on radio, it's we, we talk to them about the big languages and the reach that we have, be it in Vietnamese or Arabic, etc. Um, a lot of it, though, is, is also an environment buy. So you're right. It's a bit, as I say, it's frustrating. We can't say, here's the big number. We can certainly do that on digital. We have 3 million unique visitors to our websites every month, Mm -hmm. but the analog radio app, yeah, it's a bit of a challenge because you've got DAB and DTV as well. Um, So a lot of it ends up being an environment buy, um, but they see the results, you know, they see that actually then they do get the response from that cultural and linguistically diverse communities, they can see it coming through and so therefore they know it works. If, if I was an advertiser, do I need to do creative for all the different languages or do you have a production no, we, arm that can help with that? We do. We have an in-language production commercial arm that all they do is help to translate campaigns into language, record them, get them done um, because you also want to get the language right. There's nothing worse than actually getting the translation wrong. Um, which really kills your credibility with the community anyway, right? So we do have that um, and they do a lot of work with um, just other collateral anyway if people are doing posters or pamphlets or anything, um, any kind of translation. um, We have a a team that does solely that. Um, And, I mean, how successful is that commercial arm? I mean, do you – can you give me – can you say a percentage of your budget is generated by commercially – well, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's part of the media that. sales part of the business, so yep. not my area specifically. I know it is up year on year and okay. more and more, you know, certainly government. Um, so it helps you do things that you mightn't be able to do? Oh, absolutely. Without. Well, I mean, the reason we do advertising anyway is because it allows us to generate revenue to put back into distinctive charter-focused content. So we would not be able to do everything that we do on television, on radio, online without um, being partially funded through advertising. I don't want to dwell on this, but I find it very interesting, Mandy. Yes. The, if, I was, if I spoke Vietnamese and I'm listening, yes. what, what sort of advertisers would I hear? You would hear, you would hear government uh-huh. uh, talking about various campaigns. It could be a quick campaign. Um, you would hear direct clients. There's a lot of direct clients that want to talk to the community in language. We can signal split. So we can say uh, you can buy a campaign just for New South Wales or okay. SA or Queensland, um, even though our service itself is national. Um, and you'll hear corporates um, who are advertising retailers, telcos, etc. again, talking in language to those communities. Airlines, that'd, that'd be yes. quite attractive, you yes. think? So I guess a lot of your audiences would travel. Absolutely, yep. Uh, money transfer businesses okay. as well, people sending money your home. telcos, of course, um, and all that, yes. all that stuff, yeah. Yeah. Um, some advertisers get it more than others, I would imagine. Yes. Oh, absolutely. The power of your... Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I guess that because it's... uh, The people listening would realise they're part of a a niche, you know, market. And and if it was me, I'd feel quite... I'd go, oh, that that advertiser's taken the trouble 
yes. to track down this content and send that and communicate with me during this sort of specialist broadcast? Is that Absolutely. And the, and the ones that really get it are the ones that then follow all the way through. So if they're a retailer, they've taken the effort to understand who are the core um, cultural communities they want to reach. And then when those people step into the store, have they got people who can also speak to them in their language or at least reflect their culture and, and understanding? So there are certain clients like that. We've said, you know, can we use you as a case study? And a lot of them don't want us to because in their minds that's kind of their secret source, their secret weapon as well Um, and they're not really keen for us to share broadly, um, you know, the magic around that. Mandy, have you developed stars within your organisation that that to sort of, you know, white guys like me with limited experience in sort of, you know, the the real world out there who would be a big deal in their own communities that mightn't go recognised by mainstream media? Absolutely. (laughs) That was one of the first things I learned when I came, having worked with a lot of what we would call stars, American Rosso, love them to death, all those those sort of big names in Australia. When I joined SBS and I'd go out to the OBs, these people are being mobbed like rock stars as well, you know, and it couldn't be people who have listened to them forever from the moment they stepped off a boat or a plane um, and they have sort of walked the journey of migration with with our broadcasters. So they are, they're treated like rock stars when they set foot in the community um, and you turn up to a broadcast and there's people bringing food and they've made cakes. It's incredible. It's incredible. And the feedback we get, um, for example, you, you referred to Arabic 24. Um, on the anniversary, we had people calling up and basically talking about what the Arabic language services has meant for them. And in a community which at times can be very divided or has is dealing with very sensitive issues, um, you know, some of the greatest feedback can be when the audiences say, you know, you've taught us to talk as a community. You know, we are a community with different religious backgrounds, cultural backgrounds, um, and through your talk back, you know, you've taught us how to treat each other with respect. Um, so these people are really held in high regard uh, within the communities. Do the, do the listening patterns mirror more traditional ABC or commercial radio at all? Like maybe a lot of people at breakfast... Absolutely. Quite bigger drive, not so much maybe around the middle of the day. We do have our biggest language programs in in breakfast and drive time slots uh, for that very reason. People are people are people, right? We're all just living our lives Mm. and so your opportunity to listen live is usually in the morning or on the way home. Uh, For some of the smaller languages, though, it is appointment listening. You know, you may only have two hours of an African language each week. So where, you know, it might be at nine o'clock on a Sunday morning, not a prime time listening hour, there will be a lot of engagement because that is one of the only two hours they have in a given week. Um, But increasingly, even some of those communities may just turn to, you know, on demand to catch up on the program or to listen via podcast. So they're the sort of trends that we're watching at the moment. And we launched six new languages last year and we actually chose to just make them podcast first. There's no linear radio associated. They're young communities um, and they're high needs. So things like Rohingya, um, Tibetan, Mongolian, um, Karen, these communities, um, you know, as I say, they're young, they're kind of digital first. So we're putting our resource into that. Do you have any things that commercial radio listeners would call breakfast shows as such? Like, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the Arabic, uh, the Mandarin, the Italian, all those in the morning, 
again, it's reflecting what people are doing at that time of the day. They don't with have a lot of time. With hosts that, that yep. do it like daily. Double-headers, male, okay. female. Um, it can be a variety of, you know, we do quite a lot of news, current affairs, what you need to know, what you want to know. Um, there's music, there's talk back. Um, so it is similar to sort of your ABC Stunts. type services. Not a whole lot <laughs> of stuff. <laughs> I've tried to get a few in there, gotcha but uh, calls? No, yeah, no, no, too many stuff. gotcha calls. No, no. Okay, but they have a bit of fun on air. I'm but we do though, competitions. Right? We do right. do some competitions. Yeah. Um, but it's it's all that sort of stuff, and we do, and we certainly you know have the light and shade. It's not all serious, serious. Uh-huh. Um, and we try and look for the inspirational stories and the things that'll engage on social. How long do those programs just like hour yeah, blocks or? Yeah, Arabic is three hours, six oh, to really? nine, like okay. everybody else, um, yeah. and. Things like Italian, um, Mandarin, they're two hour, seven to nine, um, eight to ten. So um, very much just treat it like you would. You apply the same principles to radio um, as you would anywhere else, really. People are people. So uh, are there ever tricky um, renegotiations with any of this talent? They might have become really popular in their community and they get mobbed when they go out to an outside broadcast and they might go to you and say, look, you know, this has been growing a bit, you know, what do you think? Well, I mean, we we try to value them in lots of different ways. I think one of the things about being a public broadcaster is, you know, to be honest, salaries are reasonably set in bands like Mm -hmm. the ABC. So, no, you, you don't necessarily have a talent who can crack it and demand you know, a six-figure, seven-figure sum, sure. or they're going to walk. So not so much, but, um, you know, we find other ways to, to value them. Okay. We did a radio podcast, well, a commercial radio podcast, I guess, a couple of weeks ago with um, Brian Gallagher, the head of a commercial here at uh, Southern Cross at Stereo, the Ben Fordham, we did it yes. down in his studio from 2GB. And um, the Ben loves the live read. You're right. He just, he loves the live read and he just, banged on about you know, <laughs> the whole podcast, but do you do live reads at um, we, on any of your Yeah, it's interesting. Shows, we we have very um, clear guidelines around what we can do. So within a radio program, we actually almost have a, a, a sound tone that distinguishes the program from the advertising messages. So we can do recorded um, messages that can be voiced by our um, broadcasters but we won't necessarily do a live read within program. And that's okay. really set by the, the charter and framework and editorial guidelines. We're just bound by those. And yeah. We can't. But to the listener, they can be, for all intents and purposes, could be, looks like a lot of live reads on radio, I think, are pre-recorded and dropped into the show in commercial radio. Yeah, so but what we, can't, what we don't do and can't do is really endorse a pro- product. Okay. We've got to be pretty much you know, impartial. Um, so right. if anyone does, then it's really about, you know, talking about a service and it's all very straight. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Tell me about podcasting. I, I guess, in, and you probably call it on demand, a lot of that content, but do you do specific content that is like more t- traditional podcast that's not done for a, for a broadcast? We we do more and more, so we're just kind of scratching the surface, I think, in this in language. Um, we, you know, we have about 1.6 million podcast downloads each month. 
Um, a lot of them, as you say, is either catching up on a program or listening to a particular segment from a radio program. Um, but increasingly, we're looking at standalones. So the Spanish team recently did a standalone series about finding love and the uh, Italian uh, team did a, a series called The Bug Whisperer. Um, so we are, yeah, having a play with bespoke standalone series. And we also do them in English as well, actually. Increasingly, um, we're doing a standalone series um, as well. So with Handmaids coming up, um, the TV and online team do one mm-hmm. called Eyes on Gilead, which is very popular as well. It was great last year well. from I remember. Yeah, yeah, it was fantastic. Well, so, you've lost uh, Dan Barrett, who was part of that team. Yeah. I think. He's not there anymore, is he? Yeah, but there's some, some great guys who uh, put that one together. Mm-hmm. So we are doing a few of those. That comes back in June with Handmaids. Um, And the News and Current Affairs team are also sort of um, dappling as well. Um, And there's one at the moment that Jan Fran and Mark Mm. Fennell are doing, The Few Who Do. Yeah. So The Few Who Do is really much, uh, is is about tackling core social issues. Um, So the first one was about transitioning in the workplace. Um, But, you know, the personality and distinctiveness they bring to it makes it, you know, entertaining and informing um, the few who do. I, I encourage you to have a listen. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, no, it's on, it's on my list. Um, tell me, was it going to, yeah, now the you mentioned a couple of people there who people would know from the TV channels. Do many other people who have a profile or work on different TV programs do much on, on the radio or, or any of the programming for um, language content? Where they speak a language, yes, yes, uh-huh. yeah. We 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 launch ourselves at anyone in the building who speaks another <laughs> language, and we uh, try to incorporate them. Um, like Ricardo, who does news, um, you know, he speaks um, Portuguese, but um, we we certainly do around the building. And then there's the news reporters who may also speak Mandarin or Arabic, etc. So we do try and find those synergies and use them as much as we can. But also it works back the other way. So a lot of the team from my area um, also assist news and current affairs in finding stories or contacts um, or distinctive information that they may not have. And even the commissioning producers on some of the documentaries will also, again, engage with our teams to really, you know, get the experiences and the understanding of how a community may respond to a particular story or documentary that we're working on. So talk to me a little bit about what you have in the English language because we've talked a lot about the other language. Now, you mentioned the BBC, so you carried the World Service. Yes. Yeah, we just carry that on Radio 3 and then we use that channel often as our pop-up channel as well. So if we were to broadcast um, Mardi Gras, as we've done a number of times, or Eurovision, um, live stream that. So That'll we, just preempt the Yeah, so we use that the as sort of a... For the BBC feed for a... However exactly. long it is, and then exactly. that pops back up. Yeah, that's right. The music channels, um, a lot of the music is obviously in language, um, but the strategy is really about languages of the, for the first generation um, and the music channels are really about second and third generation who who may not speak the language, but they've grown up in that culture. So Pop Asia um, being one of those. Pop Desi is all South Asian. So yeah, Bollywood, okay. Bangra. It's um, very accessible music, actually. It's very catchy. Um that's a great station. And then Chill is more your international world chill-out music. Um, but all the links and the promos and everything are in English. Much K-pop? Lots of K-pop. <laughs> we love K-pop. Yes, K-pop, J-pop, C-pop, M-pop. Oh, really? Okay. All the pop Asia. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a huge um, following. We generally get about a million unique visitors to our website 
um, every month for Pop Asia um, and a lot of streaming as well. So, yeah, it's very, very popular, you know, here and actually, you know, some of those things get picked up through Asia as well. Are there things you've wanted to do you just maybe haven't been able to get the resources for or the time for that, that you know, you'd like to bring to viewers, uh, to listeners? I think there's a lot, there's always a lot of things. We're all very ambitious um, and we, you know, as an executive, we, you know, we're obviously just trading off constantly as to what we should do, could do, would do. Um, so, yeah, one of the new newest things that um, we've recently launched, something that I've really been working on for a number of years at SBS, is actually um, subtitling our commissioned content on television. So it's kind of swimming outside my lane in some regards. Um, But the TV guys have been very supportive and um, actually we've done some great work in the last few months with taking some of our really important commissioned content, translating it into um, subtitled uh, Chinese for Mandarin speakers, which we launched a collection for Lunar New Year in February this year. And we also did the same to coincide with the third anniversary of Arabic. We did the same with a collection in Arabic. And the reason we're doing that, and that is something we're going to try and grow, um, is because, you know, we know that a lot of communities are accessing movies from their homes, etc. What they're not getting is the Australian stories in their language. So the content that we commission in television is usually documentaries or drama series. It's about life in Australia. So Mm. taking those stories and subtitling them really will help to kind of deepen engagement with communities and really try and build on that understanding um, that we have between each other, which is really back to the purpose. So sort of 24-7 operation, you know, people working through the night or we, not necessarily? Yeah, or? we finish, uh, the last radio program finishes around 11 um, and the first people in are usually around 2am for news in wow. breakfast. So pretty much, pretty much 24-7. And you have sort of, I guess you'd be maintain good relationships with the, like, the, the national broadcasters in, in lots of countries around the world? We do, yeah. We have a lot of uh, affiliations, especially when we're putting together things like the World Cup um, and working with those as well. Um, And often our broadcasters will talk to other broadcasters when there's something here and vice versa. So there is, there's good relationships between them. Have you got to visit many of the setups when you go overseas? No, no, no James. Oh, come on, no. that sounds like money well spent. <laughs> Andy, I'd be putting my I'll hand out. I'll take that back to the boss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I travel around Australia, you yeah, know. Yeah, okay. Obviously, we're, we're very domestically focused. Um, yeah, but I guess, yeah, because you don't, you haven't got room for a lot of content from elsewhere, have you, I suppose? Yeah, look, and that's not our primary focus. Mm. Um, you, you know, SBS World News is, their point of difference with the other players here is it is about taking the world news and sort of bringing it, bringing it home, as we used to say. Um, but actually in languages, what we're saying is that people can access a lot of their, the international home content via cable, satellite, online. So what we need to do is talk to them about the community in which they now live and help them navigate life here, um, you know, understand why do I need to enrol to vote? Why do I have to vaccinate my kids? You know, we do this thing called the settlement guide in more than 30 languages, which is just navigational things to help them understand, um, you know, what they need to know so that they can then really increase that sense of belonging here in Australia. Do you have to geo-block any of your content? I mean, if I've got an SBS app, can I listen wherever I am in the world? You you can. The only thing we geo-block is where we've got rights associated like the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you 
Are there many people who listen from outside Australia? Do you know? They do, yes. We, we know in certain languages that often our service is maybe the only one or it is the only one that's considered to be very balanced um, in our coverage. So we know in some of the smaller communities like uh, Dinka, which is Sudanese, um, or Tigrinya, or some of the African languages, um, we can sometimes have a very large listening audience internationally, even though we're actually focusing on issues here in Australia primarily. And your news operation, does that sit within SBS News? How how does that work? Yeah, so there's a SBS News has a radio team and they are constantly updating a core bulletin. So for every language service that's coming through, um, which they draw from, translate, often put a a community lens on if it impacts their community in a different way. Um, So they will be providing us that seven days a week. And they also write um, features, we call them features. So, you know, if it's something about Brexit, they'll do an explainer for us. You know, what is Brexit? You know, why do we care about this? Um, And so we just work very closely with them in terms of what we think we need um, and and they help deliver that. It just avoids duplication as well because if we know that every language is going to cover certain issues, it just makes sense to centralise it and then they take it um, and tailor it to their communities. Can people on demand news bulletins when they want to or have you got to listen to it within that sort of structure of the program? So increasingly in, in uh, the app, you can on-demand news three times a day in English. Okay. Uh, we're also playing around in Mandarin um, and also on home speakers as well. You can call upon SBS News and they'll do short form news as well. So every language service does news and we normally, you know, it's could be five to 10 minutes. We can drag that out and create it as a podcast and it does get a lot of listening. Um, but we're just sort of looking now to see which communities may want something more regularly and more on demand. I don't want to set off anybody's um, smart speaker at home, but what, what are my instructions to Alexa if I want to track down some of your stuff? What do I say? Well, it'd be Alexa, play me SBS News. Okay. Okay. And then Alexa, play me SBS, whatever the other. Yeah, that's right. Or you could say SBS play me, um, sorry, Alexa, play me SBS Radio 1 and it will play Radio 1, which you'll know is your language if that's the time you've asked for it. So it can then play the live listening, the streaming. Yeah. One of the challenges we've got around homespeakers actually is that at the moment in Australia, you can't ask in language. Oh, so okay. at the moment, it's just you can only ask You've got to say in, it in English. English. So, as, you know, Alexa, play me SBS Mandarin, whereas we absolutely hope and we assume absolutely in the future, um, you will start to be able to ask in language and that's when we can really start to play. Tell me before I let you go, are there any other bits and pieces that we haven't touched on? Because as I chatted to you across this, we're a bit over half an hour now, I think, yeah, I could have researched this a little bit better, but having you here, the expert, you've, you've, you know, been able to take that burden off my shoulders. What haven't we touched on the stats that are sort of quite impressive? I think we've covered a lot of I ground, haven't. actually. I think, <laughs> well, I think the good. thing for us is... I don't feel so bad. No, no, no. no there's, I mean, there's always a lot going on. I think that's the thing. It's, it's you know, SBS has been around for more than 40 years. Um, you know, when we started, there were only a few languages key languages spoken in Australia. Today, there are hundreds. So I guess from our perspective, if anything, our role is more relevant than ever before. There are more languages. There are people who arrived 
40 years ago who are now reverting to language and need our help and people who are arriving today. So it's increasingly complex from that perspective, but also like any other media organisation, the cross-platform complexities that we now have to try and service on so many different platforms, you know, in the form that the communities or audiences are wanting to consume it. Um, so ever-evolving, constantly having to review what we do. Um, but, you know, the great thing about digital is you can instantly see that consumption and that engagement. And I guess, do you have, I guess, yourself plus other people within your team constantly working out in the community, going to functions or events that, you know, give to sort of reaffirm your commitment? Yes, (laughs) hundreds of events. Every weekend we are out. You share the load, I guess. Yeah, Yeah, last Saturday night I had the Bangla New Year um, out in Homebush. So we all try to get out um, into the communities. It's beautiful it's magical it's colorful it's it's fantastic um and so it's been great to get out into communities but every weekend we're out reflecting people's cultures telling their stories and basically just trying to give everybody a voice um in australia i don't want to be too dumb but what's the bangla new year Bangla, uh, well, Bangladesh. Banga. Bangla. 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 Bangali, so bang, as so Bangladesh, Bangladesh. New uh-huh. Year. New yeah, year. yeah, yeah. So last week was uh, Kurdish New Year. It, pretty much every month it's New Year somewhere So there's the world, rolling right? New Year's right across the 12 there, months. There is, okay. yeah. Fantastic. And I think we all just assume it's January the 1st. Sure. But it's not. Yeah. So um, so there's something different every day. And that's what, I think that's what I love about it, right? Mm. You know, it's, it's, it's media. It's media with a bit of a purpose. Well, a big purpose, but actually, you know, personally, you're just learning all the time. The Fringe Bennett, for, for a lot of those community visits, as I'm guessing, they're often well catered for. And Beautiful, you know. <laughs> delicious. Yeah, absolutely. And then you bring things home for the kids and everyone's sure. a winner. Yeah. Yep. Oh, great stuff. Well, I'm Mandy Wicks, look, great getting you in here. You're the Director of Audio and Language Content at SBS. Download the SBS app. And um, explore, yeah? Yeah, thank you. Take up a language and that might make it easier. Okay. (laughs) Thanks, Thanks, James. Thanks, Mandy.